When I met Jim Shoulders in 1979, I walked up to him at the PRCA convention trying to book rodeos and get hired, and I walked up and introduced myself, and he just looked at me, and he said, son, you're from California. You can't fight bulls. He goes, you come to work for me. If we book 20 bulls, you'll fight 16 of them. He goes, it's not like out there in California where they turn one or two bulls out that might chase you around. I said, well, sir, all I want's a chance. They called him the kamikaze kid because he wasn't afraid to lay everything on the line. He was not afraid to die in the arena if that's what it took. When you want to talk about bravery, I don't think the meter goes any higher than what it went with Rob Smith. Welcome to the Rodeo Roots Podcast where we talk about our legends and heroes and find out where their roots in rodeo began. Sit back, relax, and we hope you enjoy the podcast. This is your host, Rob Gann. Oh, it's good to be on today. Hope everybody finds this well this morning uh, as we record here at the Hilton Garden in uh, Edmond, Oklahoma on a kind of cool rainy morning here, getting ready for round number two of the WCRA. I have, a, I think, a great guest today. He's a six-time NFR bullfighter, five-time Wrangler bullfighting world champ. Eight times he fought bulls at the PBR finals. He's a member of eight Hall of Fames, including the Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame and a former Jim Shoulders Lifetime Achievement Award winner, Mr. Rob Smith. How are we doing today, Rob? I'm good, Rob. How are you? Man, I'm great. I'm great. It's a good morning. It is a great morning. Man, that's a... A lot of accolades you piled up there. I mean, it must be, must be kind of awesome looking back on it, I guess, huh? I, I was blessed to play a game that I loved. That, that's the, the best way that I could put anything is that, you know, I, I got to play a game that I loved with all my heart for a, for a long, long time and, and was blessed to go from Hawaii to Florida, Alaska to Brazil, and almost every state in the United States. It, it, was, a, it was an awful fun role. Man, that, that is awesome. So, so it, it wasn't hard to do homework on on Rob Smith. Do you know you have a Wikipedia page? I don't know about a Wikipedia. You do. You have a Wiki, your own Wikipedia, man. That means you've made it in life. <laughs> I don't know. If I made it, the, the worst thing, the best thing I want to worry about making it in life is that I've made my peace with my Lord and Savior. And <laughs> the, the best advice I've got is I'm living proof that he's merciful and forgiving. Yes, sir. And I just want to let everybody know that all they got to do is turn around. Yes, sir. Amen to that. So, uh, says you were born in 1959 from Palo Alto, California. And uh, I noticed here, and I've heard you speak of this, you know, as a kid growing up, you traveled all over the world, huh? My dad did heavy construction work. We lived in Thailand three years, Australia three years, Puerto Rico a year, Singapore almost a year. You know, we, we traveled a whole bunch up until eighth grade. My, my main dream was I always... Willie Mays was my hero. I'm from the Bay Area out there, Palo Alto, where we lived in San Jose, and then I graduated high school in Salinas, but we lived in San Martin, California there. And, you know, so I'm a Bay Area kid. I'm the Giants, 49ers, and the Golden State Warriors. Those are my teams. And, uh, you know, Mays was my hero. I wanted to play center field for the Giants and went to a lot of baseball camps. And then that one day that I stepped out and fought Bulls, that was the end of playing baseball. So, so you came back, you say in the eighth grade, come back to California, and, and, and it, I guess you, you competed in every event in high school, is that right? I, I did. I, I got on my first couple calves 
and had horses in Australia while we were over there. Like I said, we lived there three years. We lived in just out of Brisbane for a year and a half while my dad worked on the copper mines up in New Guinea. And then we worked, we lived in Caringbaugh, which is just off the coastline there in Sydney. Um, and he worked on the breakwater out on the Sydney airport, and we were there a year and a half. So I got into horses and got into the thought of rodeo and got on my first couple calves over there. And then when we, uh, when we came home, I, uh, I went ahead and, you know, started going to some little junior, ro junior rodeos around there in California and, and got interested in that. And I, I tried every event. I mean, I got on bareback horses and, you know, most of everything was all self-taught type of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So what would you consider your best event if you, you know, young Rob Smith? Well, I, I, I qualified for the high school state finals in the Bulldogging event. Jack Roddy kind of helped me a bunch in my early goings, and, and I got on Bulldogging horses up there at Jackson. He took me under his wing, so I qualified for the state finals in the Bulldogging, so I guess that was probably the, the best event that I had going. Oh, that's cool. It's cool. So – so somewhere there in your high school career, if I understand right, that's when you, you basically called out a bullfighter and somebody told you, well, big boy, just prove you can do better. Is that right? Well, Donnie, Donnie Landis, uh -huh. a barrel man, and Donnie Absolutely. and I go all the way back. We high school together. Donnie Landis and Frank Gomes were out there fighting bulls that day at Bellotto Park, and, and I was sitting on the fence, and I kept, get up there, hit him on the head, you know, we're having fun, rousing him. And they said, well, if you think it's so easy, get your ass off the fence and show us how. And not that I did anything fantastic, but I got out there and ran around a couple, and it was the, the wildest game of tag I'd ever played. So you'd never, ever before? Oh, no, I'd never been in front of one before. And and so, you know, that, that running and, you know, I mean, I boxed, I played football, I played rugby when we were in Australia. I'm about contact sports. Sure. It didn't bother me. But, man, that stepping around one and kind of that old heart went to pounding it. Like I said, it was a pretty cool game. Absolutely. You know? But if you, if, you know, and, and then you get smoked and I found out I can get up. Sure. Well, you know, because that's the biggest fear for trying to teach young guys. They just Absolutely. think that, boy, if one runs me over, it's all over, you know. Well, once you find out that, hey, I can get up, you know, then this game, it was pretty cool. A Absolutely. Pretty soon, you know, the next year, Frank Gomes, and not that I showed them anything. I just, it, it was cool, and I thought, man, this, this is a whole lot of fun. Well, the next year, Frank Stubby started working Dan Russell's bigger events, and it opened a spot at our high school rodeo. So this is my junior year that I step around one. So my senior year, Donnie Landis and I end up working all of our high school rodeos, and basically I start fighting bulls all the way through 1977. And then I got my pro. At the end of 1977, Donnie and I went to the San Jose Firefighters Rodeo, and Chuck Henson and Jerry Merlich were fighting bulls at the rodeo. Jack Roddy once again comes into the picture and says he's the big boss man at the firefighters rodeo and gets us in front of Chuck Henson and Mariluch and they signed for both of our cards that year. So not so so nineteen seventy eight you get your PRCA card. PRCA card in seventy eight and I work Bob Cook for Bob Cook and Cotton Roster all that year out there in California and end up at the Cow Palace in nineteen seventy eight winning the what was the second U.S. Cowboy Bullfighting Championship the year before in 77. Wick Peth won the bullfight, and Donnie Gay rode Oscar 
for 92. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, and I remember us sneaking into the Cow Palace that night. We were there, we were there watching it. And I bumped my buddy, Richard Caton, and I said, Richard and Nev, and I said, I got to be here next year. I'm going to be in this bullfight. And so I worked all, all year long and got to go, went to the bullfight and ended up, I won the first round and ended up me and Bob Donaldson in the finals that night and the last night and winning the finals. That, that, that's, that's a cool story. Uh, it's amazing how many people's stories like that, though. You know, they're somewhere, they see something, and they're like, man, that's the coolest thing ever. And if they got the willpower and the want to, to go just like you did, I'm going to be there next year. Right. And they put the work in. I mean, it just proves it's possible, right? Well, and the work was, you know, and, and like I said, at that time I was boxing a bunch, so the, so the road work was there. I was running seven, eight miles a day, I, you know, and the biggest thing I tell kids when they come to schools, I said, you know what, I need you in shape. I don't need you to bench press 300 pounds, but you've got to have your legs under you because that's what we're dependent on. My heart, my mind can tell me I need to be at that spot, but if I don't have my wheels underneath me to be able to carry the load and get me there, I'm, I'm worthless. Absolutely. And I see a lot of guys like that that seems like when they start a bullfight out, I mean, they're, they're jam up. And then you see 20, 20 seconds, seconds into, into it, it they're, they're you're like, well, wheels. they lost their wheels. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I totally get where you come from. So, so if, I, if I'm understanding this right then, the first time you see the NFR – it's through the Wrangler Bullfights, correct? Yep. I uh, well, I went, or maybe 19, not see nine, it, but nine, the first nine, nine, 1978, I win the Cow Palace. 1979, I go to Denver. I meet the, the deal there where Jim Shoulder says, "Son, you can't okay." So fight. that's where that happened. You can't fight bulls. We're in Denver at the convention, and, and I meet. I walk up and introduce myself to Jim Shoulders, and he just takes air out of my sails, you know, because he goes, "Son, you can't fight bulls." He goes, you're from California. They don't have fighting bulls out there, you know. And I mean, he's nice to me, but he just for for I walk up and shake hands with the man, you know, the, yeah, king, the man, yeah, the king of the cowboys, and and he just poof, and it was like I said, sir, all I want's a chance. I said, if I stay in California, I become another stock contractor's bullfighter. Yes, sir. And I said, I want to work the NFR, and I said, all I'm asking is for a chance. If you know, if something opens up, please just remember me. We shook hands, and I walked away. Well, the next morning, Jim Shoulders calls me over, and he says, come here, son. And he goes, I talked with Donnie, Donnie and Marvin Paul and Pete. Well, that's Donnie and Pete Gay and his son, Marvin Paul Shoulders. Yes, sir. And he goes, they were, they were at the Cow Palace when you were in that bullfight. They said they saw you take a heck of a shot, and you got back up and went to one. He goes, I'll bring you to Baton Rouge. And then I'll bring you to Monroe, Louisiana. But he goes, if you don't fight bulls at Baton Rouge, you'll be on a plane so fast you won't think you heard the word Monroe. <laughs> and I said, yes, sir. That's all I want is a chance. And so I I went to uh, Baton Rouge, got flew into Baton Rouge, and uh, worked worked that. David Burnham and I, I met. That's where I met David Burnham, and Starvin' Marvin Nash was working the barrel there, and. Uh, I get I get to the rodeo grounds that day. I'd bought a one-way plane ticket. By the time I paid for my taxi, I had a dollar bill in my pocket. Oh wow! And I get to the arena too late that the feed crew, the boys, have all left and gone back to the hotel. So I'm at the rodeo grounds. There's nothing. It's cold. It's rainy. It's wet. 
finally Marvin Nash shows up at his trailer and I knock on his door and I said, can I sleep on your floor? I just need a place to lay my head down for the night. And then when the feed crew and the boys get here, at least I can catch a ride to the hotel and whatever, you know. And so, yeah, he lay, I laid on the, slept on the floor there that in the trailer that night. And the next morning when Marvin and Roy Carter and all them, that was Shoulders' crew. I mean, the who's who of the sport, but they're all on his crew. Oh, absolutely. They, they, they show up, and I go help feed, and so they load me up, and they feed me breakfast and take me to the hotel and let me take a shower. And I get there, and, and all these bulls, I mean, he's got brindle, 15, 1,600-pound brindles, horns as long as your legs, is, you know, and it's just like, holy smokes, what have I come to? And for those that have never been to Baton Rouge, it's – 13, 14 foot solid block wall. It's like where the Christians, where they threw the Christians to the lions. Really? You walk into that building and there's, there's a way out at the back end and there's a way out at the buck and shoots to climb. And then there's four ladders down the sides of the arena. And the first step on the ladders, two foot off the ground. Right. And, it, and it's solid block walls. It's, uh, and I walk in there and I thought, holy smokes, what have I come to? We got out there the next day, me and David Burnham, and they, they bucked the first bull, and I run around the first bull, and I am get by him pretty good, you know. I was, I was like, oh, heck, a bull's a bull, right? And, and for, from there, I let everything get out of my head, and I just went to fighting bulls. And needless to say, I worked Baton Rouge for Jim's shoulders. I went to Monroe, Louisiana, and I worked everything shoulders had the rest of the year. So he was happy with me. There you go. There you go. So, so in 81, you uh, make your – was that your first that trip? First Wrangler Finals. That was the, the first Wrangler Finals. And you made the first one. And, and My, Miles, Miles won the world. I won second. The next year, I went in in the lead for the world in 82. And then Skipper – and I let it get away from me. Skipper won the world. Miles won second. I won third. 1983, 1983 we get to Fort Smith, Arkansas. I, I got to back up. Okay. Miles Hare and I meet. We met at the Cow Palace. So you 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 met him. You're talking about as in meeting him for the first time. Well, we met at the Cow Palace. Okay. At the rodeo in '78. But the first time that we worked together is 1979. We're in Monroe, Louisiana, and we start running the first the first performance. And Shoulders started the rodeo with a bull ride and ends the rodeo with a bull. Yes, sir. We get by the first three bulls, and we're bouncing, kind of bouncing off each other. And Miles, I'm, I'm not quite 19 years old, and Miles is 22, I think. He's four years older. Than right. Me. And we're kind of bumping each other, and it's, you know, we're mixing it up, and both of us are kind of used to being the dog at the uh, Yeah, so now you're trying to prove right. who he is we're now, right? Show, we're trying to show each other, you know, and Miles looks over at me, and he goes, what the hell's going on? And I said, well, you're the great Miles Hare. Do something. <laughs> you know, well, the next thing that happens, we're nose to nose. I mean, we're nose to nose in the middle of the arena. We're going to go Fist City. Uh-oh. Shoulders, he rides up alongside John Taylor. And he goes, what the hell's going on up there? John Taylor goes, you've got two young bulls and too small a pasture. <laughs> and so Shoulders rides up. He rides right between me and Miles with his horse, makes us step back. And he goes, boys, you ain't got to worry about fighting each other. I got plenty for him. 
right there, turn one out. He told his flank man. <laughs> he bucked one, he turned out a fighting bullet. He bucked one, he turned out a fighting bullet. I got, I got plenty for you, boy. Yeah, you want to fight, we'll fight. So, so we got through that, you know, and, and then, like I said, then we get to 1981. Miles wins first, I win second. I go in in the lead in 82, and I let it get away. 1983, we get to Fort Smith, Arkansas, and I look over at Miles, and he's won first in three rounds, and I've won second. And I looked over at him, and I said, you know what? I'm going home. I'm done. And he looked at me, and he goes, what, what are you talking about? I said, I'm done. I'm tired of winning second to you. I'm tired of the game. My, my, my dad was a heavy equipment operator. Right. You know, my mom... My Italian mom, when I told her I was going to become a bullfighter, was balling, and you know, I'd always wanted to play baseball, and and so to walk away from everything and and and, and structure and stability was important to my mom. My dad was in the operating engineers, a union, right? Good benefits, good you know, good wages, and, and they kept saying, "Come home, you know, you can join the union, you could, you know." And I'm finally, I'm going to, I'm going to conform. I'm ready to throw my hands in the air, and Miles looks over at me, and we sit up and have several beers that night, and he goes, Smets, you're not going home. And he goes, quit trying all the crazy shit. Get back to the fundamentals and step around bulls like you know how to do it and fight bulls. And I went and I won the last go-around at Fort Smith that day. I won the next five bullfights in a row. And in 1983, I win my first world championship. You know, and I, I owe. So from from us going wanting to go Fist City, to in the meantime, also between then and '83, we worked Fort Worth Stock Show together as a team. Right. That 20 getting through 24 performances, you depend on each other, and that so we started becoming buds. We started studying bulls together. We'd watch the videos. You know. It's not like everybody being able to pick up their phones. There was no phones to pick up back then. You right, know, right. Somebody would video. We'd get back to the hotel room. We'd watch videos and, and say, why is this guy getting hooked? Well, there's a mistake. You know, but we studied together. Even though we were competing against each other, we studied together and made each other stronger. Well, I mean, and really you weren't – the mentality was you were competing against competing one another, but you're bull. competing against the bull. You're competing against the bull. If you don't beat the bull, yeah. you don't beat anybody. But in your mind, you, you couldn't beat Miles. Yeah, you know, and it was just – and so, 83, I win the world. So, the night I win the world, Wick Path looks over at Miles, and he says, why didn't you let him go home? <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, and then – so, we're, we're, in, we're still in Oklahoma City. Yes, this sir. This is pre-Las Vegas. Yes, days. sir. So, I win the world at Oklahoma – win the world Oklahoma City, 83. I come back and I win the average in 84, but Chapman won his – world title beat me by 900 bucks and then 85 i win the world the first year in vegas 86 i win so i end up being the first guy to back to back them gotcha 87 smurf wins the world 88 miles and i end up dollar for dollar penny for penny tied for the world championship wow and we're about as far apart as you and i are and miles Miles had taken gymnastics when he was in school, so whenever we worked rodeos, and he, I would always get introduced first, tip my hat. I would turn around. 
Well, I would put my hands together like this and be down by my crotch. And Miles, when they would introduce Miles, he would take two steps and put his foot in my hand, and I would throw him in the air, and he would do a backflip, right? Right. And he'd tip his hat, and you know, the guy's a, a great athlete. Oh, absolutely. People don't know Miles was second in the nation for the boys all around in high school. He rode bareback horses, rope calves, fought bulls. I mean, the guy's the, the guy's a stud. Yes, sir. So. So they, they tell us, and we know what's in the refights. There's one good one, and there's one one sorry son of a gun in there. And they go, well, we've got two refights back there. And Miles goes, well, do you got more money for us to fight those two bulls for? Well, nobody ever imagined this. Guy. And, I, yeah, and it's right. all happening in a hurry because we're at the NFR. Yeah. We're in in the Thomas and Mac, and they're all It's like, got to go, they're yeah. They're all like, oh, and I go. I, I looked over at Miles, and I go, I can't think of a better guy to have to split the world with. And I put my hands together like we always did, right? Sure. And Miles, Miles looked at me and smiled, and he took two steps, and I threw him in the air, and he tipped his hat, and we grabbed each other by the wrist and took off on a vec- victory lap and turned around to Greg Tuzan and said, make another buckle. We're done. We're done. And so in the history of the 20 years of the Wrangler bullfight, the only time there was a tie – was 1988 well and what a better guy to tie it like you said that's it what a better guy to tie it with and miles Hare ended up with two world championships i ended up with five and he's responsible for all seven right right you know because i and i tell that even we do schools together now that's cool that's how that's that's the friendship that's come from it so so you know you saying that kind of to back up a little bit you you talk about your rodeo career as a competitor was all self-taught and 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 you've named so many names about who helped you with your bullfight and how did you find your style i mean did i mean because for a lot of reasons that i can see i mean you were your own style i mean you you kind of set the trend for guys still fighting bulls today and i mean they want to be like rob so how did how did you pattern what you did? Did you just study all those guys, or I mean, can can I talk about that for a second? When it first started, obviously Frank Gomes and, and Donnie's Donnie Landis's dad was an old rodeo clown. Yes, sir. And so Bill would come to those events, and he'd sit over there and kind of say, "You need to do this a little bit, step here and step there," and 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 it was just getting around him. You know, his was no fakes and that. And then as I, as it progressed. Wick kind of taught me how to hop. You know, I, I was I was mentored by Wick. Wick taught me the hop. Skipper taught me the step through on a chair in the dressing room in Omaha, Nebraska. And I went out that day and did the step through and won the go round. That's you know, cool. And, and to show how, you know, even though like you said, we're we're competing against each other, but we're really competing against the animal. Skipper. Skipper goes and teaches me something that ends up costing him money that day. Absolutely, you yeah. know. But yet, he he's passing it on. He's passing it on down the line, just like Miles and I getting to do these schools nowadays. You know, we're we're getting Weston Ratowski. Uh, there's there's so many Cody Emerson, Jerry Norton come to my school. Jerry Norton won the world. I mean, we've got we've got guys that have really had a lot of success in these bullfights and the, and fighting bulls for a living nowadays that have all come through our program and and the fundamentals that we've learned and been able to share. So Wick helped, Skipper helped, Miles and I working so much together, and then the other one that played so much of a big part in my life was Jimmy Anderson. Oh, yeah, Jimmy Anderson. That, that's so cool. And so I, I got a little here, a little there, a little there, and that 
all what made Rob Smets. That's awesome. So, so six top six qualifier. That's what would go to the finals in the bullfights, correct? Says you did it seventeen times. I did it, it seven. Is that a record? It it is the record. Um, out, out of the twenty years, seven the, the seventeen qualifications. The next closest to me was eleven. Wow. I was I was the last of the Mohicans. Of the of the original guys on the tour from 1981, I hung up my cleats in 1980. Uh, as far as competing in the bullfights in '89, I didn't go. I didn't go in 2000. So I made it. I actually qualified 17 out of 19 years. But I mean, the tour was 20 years. Yes, I made sir. It 17 times. Yes, sir. Out of them 17 times, what what would what was your most memorable year? Just just on the freestyle part. You know, I mean. I mean, they was all special, I'm sure, but there had to be one that, looking back, like, this was it. 83, winning the first one. Winning the first one and uh, being in Oklahoma City, that that probably was special. The The one that I put the most emphasis on would have been in 1994 when I came back after my first broken neck and everybody said he broke his He's done. He'll never, yes, fight. He'll never fight bulls again, you know, and it, boy talk about put a chip on your shoulder and, and i drew lines in the sand and i'll show these SOBs. yes sir and, and and it's in a time in my life where it is before god and yes I'm sir still all you know and thinking that and thinking that winning that world championship was really going to do something you, you felt like it was going to find you maybe right, right you know and and i went and won the world that night or after the four nights in Vegas, so, and I get back to the hotel room at the Gold Coast. I sit, I sit on the edge of the bed, and that gold buckle that I thought was going to give me so much peace and happiness, it didn't make anything any better. Yes, sir. You know, the the peace wasn't there. And, you know, he, we, we put so much value on some material stuff in our lives that we need to put that value on our Lord. Yes, sir. And, 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 and mind you that this is probably where the Father, and I've, I've gone through a divorce in this time. I, you know, I, I've, I've gone through a lot of things in this time. And I've, I've remarried, fortunately, I, you know, I, the lady that I'm married to now, Carla, we've been together 30 years. She's been to the mountaintop, but she's been a lot of valleys. Been to the bottom, she's yeah. been in the valleys through three broken necks, too. She, she's been there, and she's been my rock. And after, after that, I think those were, there were times where it, tell, it tells us in the Bible, I'm knocking on the door, right? Yes, sir. We've got we to gotta open that door. We've got to listen. And I, th I think that those broken necks and those things came at times in my life where he was trying to get me to pay attention to some things. And after I broke my neck the second time in 96, then I got an invite from a man to go to Twin Falls, Idaho and go do help out at a rodeo school Bible camp. And I was like, man, I need to, I need to do some things, do some talking to myself before I go tell kids how they need to be. Yes, sir. You know, and uh, the guy goes, 
and in, 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 in backing up a little bit, in between those times, National Geographic had done a piece on me and Discovery Channel had done a piece on me and what I'd done. And they'd start asking, well, why would you fight bulls after you broke your neck? Yes, sir. And I would all, my quick, easy, good sound bite for the radio sound bite was, well, God's got a plan. If, you know, if he meant for me not to fight bulls, he'd have made it so I couldn't. He's got a plan. I just don't know what it is yet. And so I'm going to fight bulls. And so when Lynn Shaw called me for that camp, he starts talking to me. Well, he throws, and I start humming and hawing. He goes, well, didn't you say God's got a plan? And I said, oh, he's, he's got me with my own words. Yes, right? sir. And, and we're on landlines because, like I said, we're still pre-cell phone days. And he screams through the phone, you will be in Twin Falls, Idaho. That's the plan. <laughs> and I got up to Twin Falls. And the first day, okay, this is the first day, the first morning. It's a four-day school. So it's not like I've heard testimony and heard people talking about how great God is for four days and and people pounding on you typing. You yes, know, sir. What I mean, Rope Myers is speaking that first morning. And he's walking back and forth, and I'm standing over to the side. And mind you, there's Jake Barnes, Clay O'Brien Cooper, Cody Custer, Scott Mendez, Andy Taylor, the who's who of our sport. Yes, sir. That are God-fearing men are all there. And Rope's going back and forth, and he's talking, and he's talking about the things God's done in his life, and the tears of joy are coming down his face. And I'm standing on the side over there. And the tears are coming down my face because I'm thinking, man, I've spent a lot of money on a lot of crap chasing what he's got right here. And I watched him walk 10 inches above that stage that day. And I make sure whenever I share my testimony that I share that. And I know people go, whatever, Smets. Well, I know what I saw. And I saw him walk elevated above that stage. And the presence of the Lord was with him. And they did the altar call that morning, and the first guy on his knees front and center was Rob Smets. And all of those guys came up and laid hands on me, and they prayed over me. And it felt like they lifted this Hilton Hotel off my shoulders. Have there ever been mistakes since? There's been plenty. Yes, sir. You know. But, but the thing about it is I've never had to go it alone anymore. Absolutely. And the biggest thing that I that I get the opportunity to share is the father let me get out there a long long ways I mean I got out there so far I did everything but stick a needle in my arm and I make sure I share that and I don't hide that from nobody I've made my share of mistakes but maybe the reason the father let me get out there that far is there's some people that have damn sure seen me out there that far that have been pretty darn close that I can go back now and go speak. It's been, this has been a 26-year journey. Sure. You know, it, the biggest thing we got to remember is it's not a race. or it, it, It's a race. It's the race of life, but it ain't a sprint. Yes, sir. This is a marathon. Yes, sir. Well, I, I, I think it's great you touched on that. I, I had it on my list, but you kind of jumped to it, and, and, and that's awesome. I've I seen the emotion, and, and I, man, it's touching, Rob. I, I appreciate you sharing that. Uh, 
just just to kind of get back to where we were talking though so the wrangler bullfights you had all them records you also in that same time frame you get to protect the guys at the nfr as the bullfighter for the nfr six, six of the six of the times that i was in the bullfight at the same time i was also working the nfr yes who, who all just kind of share with with the listeners who all did you get to work the nfr with well i worked rex rex and i worked the first nfr and then i worked it with uh Miles and I worked it three times, and Joe Bum- and Joe Baumgartner, and um, me and Smurf. Any 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 memories that really stick out from your experience at the NFR? As a I was there, I was there the night that Troy Dunn Troy Dunn rode Pacific Bell. The night that Cody Custer won the round on Wolfman, Troy Dunn rode Pacific Bell, and. Uh, <laughs> So as I make the pick to get Troy away from Pacific Bell, Pacific Bell was a badass. Yes, sir. <laughs> and he had a big old set of baseball bats. Fortunately, they were just long enough that at the L, at the L where they make the turn to load in the buck and shoots, he pinned me up against the buck and shoots right there, and the horns hit on both sides of me, on both sides of my shoulders, went past me, and I had my arms crossed, and I can just remember going, Oh! And they, they hit, and he bounced back, and Benny Reynolds, the bear that used to always work the out gate at the finals, Benny Reynolds popped that gate, and he went boom, boom, and then out the gate he went. Well, the next night I made sure I had a gallon of Crown Royal whiskey for Benny Reynolds, and I walked <laughs> up to Benny Reynolds and handed him that bottle, and I said, here's to the best save of the NFR. <laughs> Absolutely. That, that, that's a cool story. Thank, thank you, Mr. Benny, for yeah. opening the gate. Meantime, all this is going on. I mean, you're 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 going to bullfights. You're making the the NFR as in the freestyle fights. You're, you're you're getting selected to work the NFR. The PBR is coming into your your life too. And and I I worked so I was there when the PBR started back when we were in the MGM and the old Rose Garden Arena, and it progressed and got to see it all build and and you know got to work those finals and be around the best guys in the world now. I, I've been there for a bunch of the Shivers 90-point rides, you know. Yeah, you got to see there some there great moments. Was yeah. there when Justin McBride won the million? Was there with Adriano? Was there, you know, was there fighting, actually was fighting Bulls a year. Jim Sharp rode all 10 at the NFR. I, I've been blessed to have the best seat in the house. For lots of cool yeah. occasions. Yeah, that's cool. It really is. And I mean, obviously, the PBR is a big story to tell, so we wouldn't want to skip it. But one of the main reasons I wanted to bring the PBR into it is, you know, in 2001 at the World Finals, you traded in the baggies, and you you were the first to really bring out the jerseys and introduce the jerseys. So at, at 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 the PBR Finals, all of them, I, I let all those guys, I'd, I'd made my deal with CarQuest and ASE for the next year. My buddy Duncan Dickinson that's out of Chicago is a graphic arts designer, and he also helped design all of Flint stuff from there on out too. But we we get the jerseys, we make, their, make the deal that I'm going to have a contract with CarQuest and ASE the next year and get them to come on board, and it's a pretty cool deal. And So I, I wait for Jimmy and Joe and everybody to – to go out toward the arena before me. So you haven't told anybody you're going to do it. I didn't tell anybody. I'm sitting there. I'm waiting for them all to 
kind of go, I got my baggies hanging there and all that. Well, then I show up in my shorts and my jersey, and they're looking at me like, what the? And I said, got a, got a sponsorship. This is it, you know, the new look. I said, heck, looks a lot better than them, them old baggies and stuff. And, uh, and I had a bunch of guys, I had a lot of people get after me about, what about tradition? I said, sure. I said, we're set in tradition. I said, this is not rodeo. This is athletes in the PBR. And I said, I'm going to set tradition. Yes, sir. And lo and behold, the PBR left me alone that whole first year as far as with the jersey. And I, I was the only one that wore one all year long, the CarQuest deal. And then there were, they had some bull riders that had the CarQuest and the ASE patch on them. But as far as I was the only one that was out there, well, when the PBR saw how much I'm out in front of people. Value, then, then yeah. The value, then Carhartt came, you know, then it came, then it became the Dickies Dura Bullfighter. But, I mean, and now Border Patrol, you've got all yeah. kinds of spots. I mean, so basically you single-handedly revolutionized that, that in a that way. Deal, that deal came wide open and I, to the point that right toward the end, uh, Sean Gleason, because I, I had a I had a sponsorship with the Seminole Tribe of Florida, and sure, West, and and had some had some good sponsors, Matici, the Fiddleback Ranch, and he said, uh, Sean Gleason goes, looks like a dang old NASCAR deal, and I said, y you know what, Sean? I said, just leave me alone. I'm just about done right here. Whatever you whatever restrictions you want to put on them guys after I'm gone, that's between you and them. But but I never did. Whenever we made deals, I tried to make sure that. I implemented those other guys to sure to help get them something too. So it was good. So so, kind of going back to the PBR. If I if I remember correctly, you know, you you didn't get to end it the way you wanted to. I I I was at Reno, Nevada, two thousand six. Um, once again, the father I think came into play though. Carla and I had talked about me retiring at the end of that year. I was 46 years old in 2006. Um, I don't know if I'd have been healthy if I could have walked away because it's all I've done since I was 18 years old. I love the game with all my Absolutely, heart. Absolutely, yeah. If, I, if the good Lord was to tell me today, Rob Smets, I'm going to take you out. Where do you want to go out at? I'd be putting on a set of cleats tonight and stuff oh you were itching last night i could you know, tell it you know you're like <laughs> I, if i want to go i would just as soon have it go right there absolutely doing doing what i love it's a game it's a game that i love that much so one of the coolest things i've seen is if if i remember right the pbr let you come back like they did well they and they did and you weren't really selected for the finals that I, year I, I wasn't selected for the final what the deal was on in 2006, I broke my neck in March. Yes, sir. They, they let me know that I was going to win the Jim Shoulders Award, and they were going to present me there. Well, Cody Lambert and I go way back. Yes, sir. And I called Lambert up, and I said, Cody, I can't accept that Jim Shoulders Award without stepping around a couple of bulls. Yes, sir. And he says, what are you talking about? And I said, all I'm asking, I said, I'm not asking to work the perf. I'm asking just let me step around a couple of bulls, tip my hat, and then I didn't end it on a board getting carried out of yeah, my, yes, career, sir. my career. I said, that's all I'm asking. And I said, I just, and, and my piece will be with Jim Shoulders too because yeah. I'll have ended it the way it was supposed to. And, and I said, I'm not telling anybody. And I said, this is the deal. And Cody knew the coach. Cody and I were next door neighbors to each other. So 
Coach Hess, that was a strength and conditioning coach at Abilene Christian University, I called Coach Hess up and I said, Coach, this is the deal. Can you get me ready? He says, we got time. You'd be there. I'd get up at 4 o'clock in the morning and be in the gym. And I worked out for five months to be ready to run around those last couple bulls. Well, I, I remember watching it on television and thought it was one of the coolest moments ever. I mean, you you, you fight four or five bulls, I think, and then you, you got a standing ovation and they sent you along your way. That had to be a let me tip, closure. Let me tip my hat and think, you know, I mean, the biggest thing is the PBR fans are second to none. None. NASCAR can brag about their fans all they want, but the PBR fans are awesome. And I just wanted to be able to tip my hat tell them thank you and let them know that you know i loved them all absolutely that that how I, kudos to the pbr for letting you walk out like that and that, that that's cool so so you retire from bullfighting what did you think rob smith was going to do next like did you did you just sit down and go now what well you know and that's just what my wife said she goes so what are you going to do i said i'm going to announce I said, they've, they've, they've had a microphone on me for the last six years in the arena talking talking to, you know they always hey rob what's happening down there now i said i've been around rodeo for all my life so i i did i pursued getting some announcing gigs and 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 did that and then i an opportunity opened up with a buddy uh in the oil field down in south texas and I lived out of a suitcase for 30 years. You know, the the, uh, the idea of being able to be at home and, and spend some time at the house and was kind of nice. Oh sure, sure. Uh, and the, the oil field was a good was a good gig, and it was really nice for a couple of years, and then it tanked, and then I ended up having to hustle and I sold trucks for three and a half years down there in South Texas. Had a Another man was Mike Booth was really good to me and said, "Come on, come to work. I'll teach you how to sell trucks." And you know, obviously, with knowing some cowboys and making phone calls and just trading the trucks and that. And then Mr. McKinney, that uh, had a conversation with me, that's the owner of the WCRA and yes, also sir. owns the Lazy e Arena. And I've known Mr. McKinney prior to all of that. Uh, he, we started talking one day, and he gave, talked to me about becoming the Alliance Relations Manager of the WCRA, and he goes, I think you need to come to work for me. And I said, I think you're right, you know. And so I've been with them now for five years. So like I say, we're, we're here at the WCRA. Uh, that's what brings us together. We're, we're both here working. Of course, you work for the WCRA. I'm, I'm here providing entertainment and uh, getting to work and do what I do for a living here and, and, and glad to be here. But 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 fill us in tell us what you do for the wcra so my main job with the wcra is calling it talking to associations getting them to come on board with us so that we're able to get results and payouts to be able to delegate points to the cowboys that nominate because what what how the wcra works is they can go to an event in oklahoma city they can nominate whether it's an association's event, whether it's a jackpot. I can go to, the great thing about the WCRA is they can go to a jackpot team rope, and I'm gonna use timed eventers because there's just more. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Kind of jackpot. But you can go to a jackpot on a Tuesday night, nominate that, earn points from a Tuesday night jackpot, 
for the for the working guy go to a jackpot on tuesday go to a jackpot on friday get up saturday morning and go to a ipra rodeo up the road and then come back down through here and hit a uh acra rodeo on saturday night and then maybe hit oklahoma city and hit the prca rodeo on a sunday and i can earn points from a jackpot to a pro show and when the, I add my points from those different shows up, they brought the top 10 in the Rough Stock events here to Guthrie and the top 36 in the timed events. We had a one-day qualifying round where we brought the top 36 guys in to go rounds of competition. The, you know, the, we have a leaderboard that we keep. The top six on the leaderboard were able to sit out. Then from the two go rounds of competition, the winner of round one, the winner of round two, the top four and the average came and joined the six. Last night we had our first go round, so in the timed events it was the top 12. It's a really good opportunity and a chance to make money. And if you win the triple crown of rodeo, winning three major events in a row, there was a million dollars. Man, it's some life-changing money. Oh, absolutely. Life-changing, life-changing. And, and, and what I like about it, Rob, is, is we get to see people that, maybe we've never heard of and they're competing in the same arena as, as a world champion right i mean calf ropers for example maybe that aren't aren't household names they, they qualify they make their way here and, and, and they're open with shad mayfield uh well i i'll use it using a good example and, and he, he's not a household name to a lot of households maybe West of the Mississippi, east of the Mississippi, he's a lot better known. Justin Thigpen. Justin Thigpen. I mean, I, I'm an IPR guy, so I know him well. But so, I, so as 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 a tie down roper or a bulldogger, yes, the guy the guy's a stud. But you know, so a lot of guys. Well, and, and I mean, guys at rodeo in the circle, sure, know who Justin is. But for people on the outside. But the guy can rope. I mean, ropes, calves, awesome. Bulldogs can bulldog with anybody. It's it's a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, and I and I know Justin well, and and probably the only reason he's not a household name. I mean, he he's got a family he in Georgia. Go he's got a rodeo company. Yeah. I mean, he's got a lot of irons in the fire. He stays right around home, and and, and dominates. And I have no doubt if he wanted to, he he could play it in the PRCA or he wherever he wanted to do. But this makes sense for him. He nominates those rodeos while he's there, and he's here, you know, trying to get his share of four hundred thousand. I mean, I, I think it's awesome. Well, and that—that that was when Mr. McKinney started talking to me, and we started talking about what my involvement would be in going and talking to people. Is being able to talk to promoters and the associations because there's so many guys that we know that are just like Justin Thigpen. We picked him off the, we plucked him off the top, but there's a whole bunch of Justins right here at this event that if you draw them the right two steers, I don't care if you are Shad Mayfield, you're not going to beat them. He's got a banner hanging in the roof of that place out there. Yeah. The time event champion. I mean, yeah. absolutely. And I got another example. I mean, we got a 17 year old Barrett rider here. He, he couldn't go play in the PRCA if he wanted to right now. Yeah. He doesn't have the opportunity to go ride at this kind of money, but he's here at Blaine Houston, and, and, and the guy's capable of winning something. I mean, he, 
he had a very successful rodeo Carolina. Well, Blaine Houston and the other ones cashed in four. But he, I, I, other, forgot about, I forgot about I forgot about him. You, you know, that's just the same age, seventeen yeah. years old from South Dakota. And just a year ago, I watched him at the Indian National Finals, eighty-nine points in the bareback riding the first round, and he's even competing against the likes of the the INFR who produced also Jayco Roper. Absolutely. Really good national finals rodeo. You know? it, it, it's a great opportunity for, for, like I say, a young guy that that can compete with the guys, but just by his age limits him to be able to go for that well, kind of money. even have a PRCA they can't even, Yeah, they can't. It's not they that they don't want to. You've got to be 18. I've been there. I, 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 think, it, I think it's cool and, and, and love what they're doing for rodeo. And, and then, you know, Saturday, talk, talk about we're going to have a, a division youth. Well, we have the DY Youth Division, the top eight athletes on our leaderboard as of December, th December 3rd when the cutoff was. They'll, they'll come in here. They'll compete for prize money here, too. It's a, it's a big youth event. I mean, we – <laughs> pole bending, goat tying, sure, it, racing, tie down, team roping, tie down roping, steer wrestling. And and I, I apologize, I didn't catch your name, but I mean there was a 15 year old girl competing with the the likes of Lindsay Domer and all them girls. Kelsey or Riley, Kelsey Domer, Riley, I'm sorry, Riley Edens. I mean she's right here, 15 years old, and and holding her own with them. So she can rope with anybody, right? Can, but wouldn't have that opportunity otherwise. No. I mean, it's just that's just, that's just and, and the talent, the talent pool in the ladies' breakaway roping. Oh, it's stacked, through, isn't it? It's through the roof. It's amazing. You know. One of my favorite events. A uh, couple, couple other things I wanted to hit on. Movie star. <laughs> I don't know about movie star, but well, it, it's, it's on your Wikipedia page, man. I mean, 2012, you starred in. Uh, Jägermeister's a stronger bond. Talk about that for a minute. Well, and it was cool. We we went to uh, we went to Prague. They flew us. They flew us to Prague. I'm with Keyshawn Johnson, uh, Freddie Roach, who is Manny Pacquiao's trainer. Um, they had a big wave surfer. They they took us all. Mr. Cartoon, who is one of the most famous tattoo artists from out there in Hollywood. They bring them all, and it's called a seat at the table. And I didn't know when we got there that the person that was going to get to be the newest seat at the table was going to be the bullfighter. You know, I thought I didn't know what part I was playing. Nobody ever said, well, they end up doing the deal where you walk in and everybody's sitting at the table. And um, Kerry King from the rock band Slayer is in it too, you know. That's cool. And... Uh, they're all sitting they all sit at the table and then they give you a toast and take a shot and that first time in the making the deal we're in a castle that's built in the 1100s oh wow you know i mean there's and it, it's in the winter time it's cold and, and there's no air or, or heat in there you know it's it's not like being in the hotel room here it was cold some ago we shot that over there and it, it was a lot of fun in prague is what a what an amazing city yeah i bet that was a cool venture uh number 80 jeremiah talk about the bull that you, you I, were behind i I, ra I raised jeremiah from a calf um he was out of a sky king's court of jerry nelson's uh i had the cow he 
bucked really well, made it to the top five bulls for the bull of the year of the PBR. Um, and I've still yeah, 2015 he was a contender for the bull. That and he's still, and he's still alive, sitting on my son-in-law Cody Owens's ranch in Rankin, Texas, breeding a few cows, and we've got a couple Jeremiah babies coming behind. Him. The reason of the name Jeremiah is after the scripture, Jeremiah 33.3. When I got saved that day that I was talking about it, wrote Myers, is Justin Monson that worked for the PBR said, Rob, I've got a 1-800 number for you and the Lord, and it's Jeremiah 33.3. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things thou didn't know. People used to always ask me, they said, when I see bull riders go down and you you go up there and you're praying over them, what, what did you pray, Rob? And I said, I prayed Jeremiah 33.3 because though I saw what happened, I don't know how bad things are. But the Father tells me, call unto me and I will answer thee and I'll show you great and mighty things. And I would say, Father, I need your great and mighty things right now. I don't know how bad this is, but you are the ultimate healer and you know how bad it is. I place him at your cross right here now, and I'm asking for your touch on him. Man, that's that's so cool, Rob. It's just it's touching that you would do that, and then like you say, you, you had a you had a means and a bull to 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 push that out there and spread the word. That that that's so cool. A lot of honors I mentioned earlier. I mean, you're in a lot of Hall of Fames. 2006, you you Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame. I mean, you're in several Rodeo Hall of Fames. Uh, Saint Paul. Texas Rodeo, Cowboy Hall of Fame. Obviously, we mentioned you're a Jim Shoulders Lifetime Achievement Award, the California Rodeo Salinas Hall of Fame. That had to really mean something, being your hometown where you grew up. Graduated high school there, going into Salinas. This year, This year, I was actually inducted into the Ellensburg Rodeo Hall of Fame just last September, and uh, mm -hmm. 2019 into the Oklahoma City National Cowboy Hall of Fame here. And actually, right now, I sit on the board as their I'm the, I'm the president on the Rodeo Historical Society board right now and honored to be there. That that That's so cool, man. That I just, uh, man, I appreciate you coming on. It's been an honor talking to you. What kind of advice would you give a young, I mean, obviously a bullfighter because that's what you were for so long, but maybe just any rodeo cowboy. I mean, what kind of kind of advice you got for a guy? The best The best advice I got, do what's right because it's right. When you're doing things right, you don't have to look back over your shoulders. And, you know, you know uh, and I, I've been that guy that, you know, there's a, there's a side of the line to be on, and it's always better just being on the right side. And it's, you're gonna you're gonna see you're gonna see guys that you say, yeah, but what about that guy over there? Well, don't worry about that guy over there. You worry about worry about you just like what we were talking earlier. Rather than worrying about who I got to beat, I got to beat the animal that I'm competing on. Yes, yes, sir. Good fundamentals, being in shape, you know, especially especially on the rough stock end of the sport because you can never be in too good a shape. And even after the 90-point ride, you still get slammed to the ground. You're sure. Still, you know, they're, they're still beating on on your body. So the, the best shape that I can keep myself in is is the best. And then remembering who you are and what you stand for. You see so many guys, that's, they want all these sponsorships. Well, how do you speak? Huh? Absolutely. You can't be dropping the F-bomb all the time. You can't Absolutely. be, you know, just because everybody else does. You've got to be able to represent 
just like you got them on your T-shirt and I've got them on me. Wrangler. I've been with Wrangler for a long, long time. They need somebody that can go out there and go speak to people. Absolutely. And, and, and not somebody that they're shaking their head about because your every other word is something that shouldn't have been said, you know. And if you want you want those sponsorships, which helps a whole bunch in getting up and down this road right now. Absolutely. As expensive as things are. And the other big thing to remember is you got to remember what you're bringing to the table. You want the sponsorship. You want the check. But what do you what are you willing to do for them to be able to make yourself of a value to them? Absolutely. And, and that's something I really I really hold true. You know, it, it's an honor once they've hired me to come somewhere. But what what can I do for you? It's not what they can do for me. It's right. what what can I do for you? What do you need me to do? And and. You know, I hear people. Well, that, that's not what I signed up for. Well, if that's what they want you to do, that's what they, that's what you signed up right. for. You know, and and like you said, somebody's always watching. Huh? Somebody's always watching. Whether you think it or not, somebody is always watching. And, and especially even more so, I, I tell Miles Hare all the time. We sit and laugh and joke about it. And said, "Thank God there weren't these phones back then." Oh, oh. <laughs> because absolutely, hey, just, just like you said, you don't ever know who's watching, and they've always got somebody's always got a camera. Yes, yes. I mean, I, I'm with you. I'm thankful yeah. that when I was younger, there was, and I mean, because like you said, we've all done stuff. We you know, we look they're, back they're, on and go, that was stupid. That. Yeah, I don't hide that. And I'm, you know, I, I do. I wish I hadn't. Yeah, I wish I hadn't. But, you know. So now all I can do is try to say is just remember who you are and what you stand for. Yes, sir. And, and, and you never you never know who's watching. And, and just remember, kids are like a sponge. Yes, sir. They pick things up like this. And, you know, you've always got somebody. There's there's always one kid, even when you don't think you're a role model, there's always somebody looking up to you. Yes, sir. Well, man, I appreciate what you do. I, I, I see how you interact with all the contests here. I mean, you truthfully care about each and every one of them. You help them. And, and you not just the contest i mean you feel that way about everybody i mean hey is there anything i can do for you to help you I, I i think what you're doing is great rob i appreciate you coming on i hope you uh all you listeners get out there get on apple podcast get on our facebook page give us a like we're, we're going to try to go big places with this rob once again thanks for coming on man i appreciate it rob thanks for your time absolutely y'all have a great day Come out and see us tonight, round number two, the WCRA in the fabulous Lazy Arena. 7.30 p.m. That's all, folks.